Greetings and welcome to Best Cultural Destinations podcast, People Are Culture. I'm Meg Pierre, host of this interview series, which presents stories of how culture is created, preserved, and shared one person at a time. People Are Culture podcast celebrates our unique differences and shared human condition and reveals that while the phenomenon of culture is universal, its meaning is personal. Amitava Bhattacharya of Kolkata, India, is a social entrepreneur with 29 years of global experience. In 1999, he left a job as a software engineer in Silicon Valley and returned to India, where he formed Banglanatak.com, a social enterprise working across India with a mission to foster inclusive and sustainable development using culture-based approaches. Banglanatak works for protection of rights of women, children, and indigenous people, and specializes in developing community-led creative industries based on intangible cultural heritage like performing arts and crafts. In 2004, Amitava launched Art for Livelihood, or AFL, the flagship project of Banglanatak, with 3,200 rural community artists engaged in six traditional art forms across six districts of West Bengal. Over 10,000 families have made the transition across the poverty line through micro-economies established by AFL that are based on traditional arts and crafts skills. In 2010, UNESCO accredited Bangladesh to provide advisory services to their Intangible Heritage Committee. It's a pleasure to welcome Amitava to BCD's People Are Culture podcast. Amitava, welcome, and thank you so much for making the time to talk with me. I'm fascinated by um, your enterprise and um, excited to be talking with you about Bangladesh. And I'd like to begin the conversation by asking you if you could define culture for me. It's, it's subjective, and I'm always interested in knowing how different people define it. So what is culture? I'm an engineer by education, and uh, 10 years I worked in software. I left Silicon Valley at AWS and came back to Calcutta. And then for the last 18 and a half years, I'm in culture and development. Now, the reason I said this, so my answer of defining culture will be a very practical work-oriented because I'm not a cultural specialist. Uh, so in my opinion, as I see it, culture is a skill of community, which, is, which has the potential of developing into enterprises. And that enterprise has potential of generating resources, which community can share it for their growth. Mm, interesting. That's a very cool definition. Um, and why do you believe culture is important? Culture is extremely important because culture defines a community. Without culture, we all are dead. It's a, it actually adds life to people, community, village, 
country and to the world. So it is extremely important to nurture culture. I think it gives you the identity. Also, it helps you to interact with the world, with your culture, as well as to learn other culture. I would agree. I think it's definitely a way to communicate, um, and it's vital. Now, um, Bangladesh is a social enterprise um, working across India with a mission to foster inclusive and sustainable development using culture-based approaches. And um, Bangladesh works for the protection of the rights of women, children, and indigenous people. Stepping back. Can you tell us how Bangladesh came into existence and give us the backstory of how you came up with the idea to create the organization? As I was mentioning while defining the culture in my bit, that you know I come from software background, ten years of software, then I came back, and uh, I had the opportunity of roaming around in rural India. Only after ten years of my working life, and uh, that time I saw that there are huge number of big portion of media dark areas, and where the development communication is only based on newspaper or radio or television. I thought all these three are quite one way communication. You cannot get feedback of people based on these three things that I mentioned. So then I opted for culture and development, culture and communication being the first phase of my journey. Started in two thousand as part of the Bangla Natak journey, culture and communication. So in short, we call it C four D. And while doing the C four D. We opted for theater, and that theater, because I wanted to see the local community's involvement, and as in theater, it is quite a two-way communication process. And within the theater, we imbibed the local folk art forms. So what we used to do, we used to reach out to a village. It can be anywhere on any issue. It can be a health issue. It can be any issue, and. Do a research, develop a script, help the local community to develop that as a performance, and then we used to act it as a street theater, but interactive street theater. And of course, we followed Augusto Boal's forum theater or theater for the oppressed techniques, but only difference ours is entirely on social research. While doing it, the theater for communication for four years, I thought. Only campaign will not change because poverty is a very important element here, which needs to be addressed as well as the culture, the traditional culture, needs to be addressed because the artists they are not getting their due recognition. Rather, they were thinking themselves that they are nothing but unskilled daily labor. Now that pained me. That actually told me that here is an opportunity for a social entrepreneur to work on this because a van rickshaw puller 
is pulling a van rickshaw, earning his livelihood from that, cursing his livelihood every moment. But in the evening when he goes back home, is happily singing or painting or dancing. I picked up that happiness factor and I just tweaked his passion to profession. So that van rickshaw puller who used to believe that his passion will never give him earning, actually 40,000 such handicraft artists, folk performing artists, visual artists are now on livelihood using their own art forms, getting recognition and traveling all over the world and on their own economically. So that is what our contribution is all about. The people used to promote art before. At banglanatak.com, we promoted art, artists and village together. In short, I say that is our contribution and that's how we started communication for development, followed by culture for development. Mm, that's very powerful. Um, Bangladesh Talk's flagship initiative um, is uh, Art for Life, which empowers communities to develop micro-economies based oh. on traditional art and craft skills. And I'd love to... Um, get a bird's eye view from you of the cultural traditions of West Bengal, which I know has a tremendously rich heritage of arts and crafts. Can you describe um, the West Bengal area um, for people who may not have traveled to India and you know, describe some of the region's arts and a little bit of the history around them, including why they have needed refurbishing? If I look at West Bengal, uh, it is located at the eastern part of India, headquarter Calcutta, Kolkata, the current name is. Interestingly, if we go to the north of Bengal, we will see the Himalayas. Darjeeling, Kalimpong are the two districts in the northmost area. There are 16 communities, and all of them have their own traditional folk art and dances. And trust me, all of them are fantastic. But <laughs> they, and, and this, I, I mean, I can assure you that in Kolkata, 95% or maybe 98% of the people actually have never seen this art and culture of the Darjeeling Kalimpong area because they were so hidden. Interestingly, if I come down from Darjeeling Kalimpong, and there are about 1,000 artists in Darjeeling Kalimpong practicing their art forms. If I come to the Little East in that same zone, there are three districts, Alipurduar, Jalpaiguri, and Kuchbihar. Alipurduar and Kuchbihar, there is a fantastic musical tradition called Bhavaiya. Bhavaiya is basically a singing tradition, lifestyle music. There are about 3,500 practicing Bhavaiya artists. It's beautiful song. Many of the Bollywood songs are taken from Bhavaiya without naming it as Bhavaiya. And the artists, they are extremely, I'll say, uh, their own, like they, they, they feel really uh, it is their own, it is their own tradition. And women, people waiting for their husband to come, the love story, the daily lifestyle. Uh, the tremendous rains, all these things, the forestry 
are part and the tea gardens are all part of that Bavaria tradition. If I go to the handicraft side in the North Bengal, there is a fantastic thing called Shital Party. Shital in English means cool, party means mat. So cool mat. There are about 6,000 men and women involved in Shital Party making. Day before yesterday, India government has released a stamp on Shital Party. This is the result of the advocacy. But just about six years back, when I asked the district magistrate of Kuchbihar that, do you know anything called Shital Party? He said, <laughs> no. <laughs> so that is the fun, that six years before, even the district magistrate was not aware of something called Shital Party, where 6,000 women are involved in making it. And to yesterday, government of India releases a stamp on Shital Party. Now, if I come down just below that zone, there are two districts. One is North Dinajpur, one is South Dinajpur. They are beautiful in mask making. Wooden mask was part of their traditional dance. And thus, that is a perfect handicraft. There is a place called Kushmundi, where about 70 families make wooden mask. And just next to it, there is a pottery village. Next to it, there is a bamboo craft village. And if I go to the next district, which is Malda, there are two excellent folk theatres available there. One is called Gombira, another is called Domni. These two are quite local traditions. So I do not expect them to do well from the entertainment or from the other districts' interest point of view. But they are very good in communicating messages to their local people. And in one of the form, Domni, actually here, even now, male dresses like female as one of the actor. So mm. that has another charm in it in today's age. So this too is Malda. And Malda also is very well known for its old tangible heritage like Gaur, Adina, and there are beautiful uh, stories around them. There is a mosque called Eklaki, Ek lakhi actually means one lakh. One lakh means 100,000. So that time, the king, who was a Hindu king, his son suddenly got converted to Muslim Islam. Now, the king did not accept that. So he said, no, nothing doing, you get out. But finally, his son died and he was still alive. And then he made the mosque with 100,000 Indian rupees at that mm. time and he converted himself to Islam. So it's a beautiful story is available in that particular region. And that particular region also was the headquarter of Sirajuddullah. Actually, before British, we had the rule of Sirajuddullah in Bengal. And that time, Bengal, Orissa, Bihar, Jharkhand, all were under his uh, uh, kingdomship. Then coming just below Malda, there is a district called Nadia. I will say in Bengal, one of the most important districts from cultural point of view is Nadia, historically. About 550 years back, Chaitanya, he started the Bhakti Kalt movement. At the same time, when Kavir started the Bhakti Kalt movement in the north, when Tukaram did it in the west. And when Chaitanya started, he basically used a particular music to mobilize people against the social evils. And what are the evils? Let's say, mm. burning of the widow 
along with the dead husband. There were many called Sati. So he used his music called Kirtan. And Kirtan is nothing but love between Radha and Krishna. And this Kirtan, Radha and Krishna, apparently might look like a Hindu Radha, Hindu this. Actually, Radha here represents God of love. And a Krishna represents the God of love. And Radha represents willingness to get that love. Many scholars think Krishna actually represents nature and Radha represents the human beings. So this is a very, uh, I'll say, uh, another scholastic way of looking at it. That always humans think of nature as their love, but they actually keep on abusing it and finally they never get it. That is what Kirtan is all about. He used Kirtan to reach out to millions and of, um, divide and reach out to the people and accumulate people against the social evils. From Kirtan, the first music which came is called Baul music. Bauls are wandering minstrels. They think God lies in the human body, not in the mosque or in the temple, nor in the church. So they feel that it is the humanity which needs to be worshipped, no class, no caste, no religion, nothing. Hindus who have converted themselves to Baals, are, they are called Baals. Muslims who converted themselves to Baals are called Fakirs. So Baals and Fakirs believe in the same philosophy that was actually championed by a guy called Lalan Fakir about 350 years back, all in that Nadia region, that district. And Baul Fakir is an essential element of Bengal because that music and Chaitanya's movement helped Bengal to throw religion out of the zone and become human-oriented. So then onwards, Bengal is very socialistic in this nature. And the language of Bengali that we speak in Calcutta also has come from Nadia. So Nadia is cultural, very, very strong place. Interestingly, this Lalan Fakir songs and his creations influenced Rabindranath Tagore, the first non-European Nobel laureate, our big, great poet, philosopher. And Tagore, hugely influenced by Lalan, also many of almost 20% songs, we see Lalan's influence and Similarly, Tagore got even thought process changed after meeting the Baul Fakirs. Baul Fakir music, which started from Kirtan, was more a subaltern music at that time. But it may not be wrong to say that through the hands of Tagore, it reached the educated class of Kolkata or rather in Bengal. And Baul Fakir music today is the soul of Bengal. The source of Baul Fakir music is Nadia. And Nadia also sees another very important handicraft, and that is clay doll. And clay doll, you know, here we do puja, that is the worshipping of gods and goddesses. All our celebrations, the biggest uh, celebration here in Calcutta is called Durga Puja. And all the idols and everything are made in Kumar Tuli, in a place in Calcutta, which originates in Nadia. So Nadia is a very important place. Just beside Nadia, there is a district called Bortoman. Bortoman 
is probably the richest district in Bengal. It has both agriculture and industry. And Bordhuman borders Birbhum, the place of Shantiniketan of Tagore. And the next is Bankura and Purulia. If I see Bordhuman and Bankura, there is indigenous people starts. But if I go to Purulia and Bankura, which is in the west of West Bengal, bordering Jharkhand and Bihar, that is actually a tribal districts. And there you get a fantastic dance form, mask dance called Chow dance. And a beautiful dance, again, song and dance, is called Jumur. Jumur actually is another lifestyle music of that place. And Chow is the, uh, the traditional uh, mass dance where martial art is imbibed. There are about 6,000 Chow artists, about 1,200 Jumur artists in Purulia, Bankura. I forgot to mention that there are about 2,500 Baul artists practicing Baul in Nadia, Murshidabad, Birbhum, Bordhaman, and Bankura, this district, which basically you can say is the central of Bengal. If I go down below that, then it is Calcutta. Calcutta and nearby is not much of traditional culture. You can understand a city with 15 million population, busy with other information needs and other things, traditional, but Calcutta actually center point of Bengal as far as the promotion of culture is concerned. Just below Kolkata, we have the Sundarbans, the largest delta in the world, again, UNESCO heritage site, and Sundarbans has three art forms. One is called Bon Bibir Pala, which is like a theater come dance, come song. Another is Bhatiyali, song of the river, song of the boatmen. And the third is Jumu. Actually, about 120, 30 years back, a gentleman called Mr. Hamilton was given the responsibility to do habitation in Sundarbans Belt. So he brought the labors from Purulia, Bankura, Orissa, Jharkhand, that Chotanagpur plateau. And when they came, obviously when labors come, people come, they come with their culture. So Jumur traveled from Purulia, Bankura to Sundarbans. So this is in a nutshell, a cultural map of Bengal. There are about 70,000 practicing traditional artists. Interestingly, 60 to 100 families in each village do one particular art form. And we have been working with them since 2004. And that's almost about 15 years. So almost 20 of these villages now celebrate their village melas. All are in the weekends. Here we follow the Americans. All are weekend celebrations. And uh, the it is held between September and March because that is the best time to visit these parts. Few festivals are 10 years old. Few festivals are three years old. So this is in a nutshell about the cultural uh, map of Bengal. That's a fantastic window into um, how diversified culture is and what a, a part of the daily fabric. Um, so that's a wonderful overview. And um, one of the things that intrigues me about Art for Life is that it motivates and mentors artists to become successful entrepreneurs, to take their, their heritage um, and to 
um, use it as a livelihood and ensure the long-term survival of um, the art forms. So I'm curious about how this works. Um, does Art for Life identify artists that you feel have the talent and motivation to become successful entrepreneurs, or do they find you, or is it does it work both ways? So if you can describe to me, you know, how people become successful entrepreneurs through working with the Art for Life program, and then share a couple of examples of artists who have become successful entrepreneurs, um, that would be fantastic. Uh, Art for Life has three pillars. First is building capacity. Secondly, creating direct market linkage. Direct is a very important word so that the middleman doesn't take the profit away. And third is facilitating international cultural exchange. I will explain all the three separately. Now, there are two elements one need to understand. Whatever you do, whatever you make, being a traditional artist, if it doesn't give you socioeconomic benefit, if it doesn't bring money, or if it doesn't earn you recognition, then you probably will continue because of your passion, but your next generation will not continue. That is a fact of life. So who will need to safeguard the art form? Some PhD students or some art lovers like us will go from outside, we will write essays, we will print stories, but that will not benefit these artists. And you have to remember, most of these artists are illiterate or extremely low educated, now formally educated. Very interestingly, why that was happening? So, you know, when uh, uh, any art form, when I first visited Patachitra village, Patachitra is actually a scroll painting and they use natural color. That means from vegetables, they can actually make paints. 2004, when I first went there, I saw a husband and wife, a couple returning to a dirty village. And I asked, where did you come from? And they said, we go begging every day and we just return now. So I sat with them, understood how it works. Then I saw eight people are there who can be called as artists. Others might think they are beggars, and the rest of the people have left that their traditional art forms. But there are about 70 families who knew it, but they were not pursuing it because they thought it's a loser's game. 2018, 15 years late, now there are 325 Patachitra artists, average monthly income is about 400 US dollars. And many of them, the top 10% earns anything between 600 to 1000 USD. All of their houses are quite good now, clean with proper sanitation. All of them send their children to school and all of them are on their own. And not only that, it has influenced the other villagers, neighboring villagers, to do something on their own because a lot of visitors come to this village. So somebody has created a guest house. A petrol pump is there. Government also 
understood that you know people are going that side so they have made beautiful roads good water local banks all this so now what made that change have we taught them patachitra which is their skill no they knew patachitra it is their thing but we just identified as a possible skill which can be harnessed upon which can be strengthened upon and from 8 to 325 that means the next generation picked it up the same generation picked it up people who left they came back why people come back two reasons if income goes up secondly if recognition goes up how income will go up that means you have to build on capacity that means their painting has to be better so gurus will train and then after the training is over we took them to different markets and we have linked them now life is always like a pyramid few guys are excellent middle guys are about 40% and bottom guys are also existing so we created three types of markets international and national market the top 10 15% will link them directly starting from mumbai airport to the art galleries of london paris and in and even in smithsonian folk life <laughs> and the second the middle range will link them to calcutta chennai hyderabad bangalore this market the third the local market and then so the moment earning is good people kept on they really started believing that yes this can bring me earning so what is marketable not what market needs no marketable is what you are doing keeping tradition that means go back to natural color because people all over the world appreciate the fact that you have the skill to make natural color from the vegetables which we don't know so worldwide people started visiting the village to learn it to know it and to appreciate it that increases the footfalls to the villages so we actually marketed that here is a group of people who knew who knows how to make natural colors and beautiful painting and fantastic storytelling with the singing and this is how this continued their journey interestingly this village is one of the first village that i started working on art for life and the village festival i planted in 2010 celebrating their art and culture in art for life or in any of bangla natak's work we never play with ritual we always work on their art and cultural part only and when the village when the visitors started coming to their village then we realized it is not a museum it is a village people live here so we need to identify which are private places which are public places because my daughter may not be well that day when tourists are coming so we need to make an assembly point so we requested that you know can we develop an assembly point and that happened and then government of west bengal responded very nicely that they created a beautiful folk resource center and that is a two storied building at the middle of the village the land was of the artists themselves which was donated by the district collector long time back and then that resource center second first floor has the provision for the guests to stay and the ground floor we have made a community art uh, museum so this is how it continues and all of these villages that we work has the same model so building capacity linking the artists directly to the market 
top artist to the international market, otherwise to the local Calcutta national market, and then uh, planting village festival and facilitating international and national less, but international cultural exchange, because when international artists come, when they work with them, that increases the pride sharing stage with the international artists. And also that opens up an opportunity for these rural talented artists to visit the other countries. So this is how almost 270 of them have traveled abroad. So apparently it might look like that, you know, a rural talented artists staying in the rural belt, but many of them have traveled five to 20 times in different parts of Europe, which is much more than the Calcutta or Bombay artists actually. But I will, I'm very happy about one fact. None of the persons in any of the villages that we work so far has migrated from village to city. So we have really stopped the entire out-migration of that area and the artist leadership has built up this and now honestly they are really on their own. It doesn't matter. Now that they have also influenced or they have like acted as a positive catalyst for the neighboring villages or villagers to do something which will help their entire story to go up. I, this is fantastic. You have said so much, and I could spend another hour just um, on this topic alone. But one thing that I do want to delve into a little bit more, which um, is something I personally know to be true, um, is that, you know, as an artist or as a creative person, you can have a passion for something, but if that isn't energized through either, you know, an income or an audience to interact with, um, that it can be hard to sustain that passion. And um, Bangunatak's philosophy is that for any art to flourish, an appropriate audience is a prerequisite. And, and that develops an interface platform for artists and their audience and develops new audiences. So, you know, I believe this philosophy raises a fascinating dimension of culture that isn't often discussed, and that is the synergistic nature of art. Um, can you share your point of view on why art needs an audience and not just any audience, but an appropriate audience? I think I would say art attracts audience. Audience also needs art. Art needs audience. So it's actually a mutual story. The art quality has to be good. But one thing we have to understand that for art to survive, artists must survive. So if the investment is on people, then art will survive. I think that's a very important part. And many times people talk about sustainability. I often say that, or rather I'm unpopular because of my statement, I say, have you invested? Now, how much have we invested that we are talking of sustainability? Because my parents invested on my education, and that's how it has sustained. But if they would have left it after class four, then it wouldn't have been sustained. 
So this is a very important part of any investment also. Similarly, in India, I think one more important point is our development story or the IT story or the growth story is too much city-centric and too much English language knowing centric. Whereas I feel that rural India is actually gold mine of traditional art and culture. I am a strong believer that nobody comes to any country to see a 70-storied or eight-star hotel. They come to see a culture. They come to see people. And the people of Calcutta or people of Boston almost have the similar culture. But the rural Bengal or the rural Madhya Pradesh have completely different culture. And that will fascinate the people of Boston or Stockholm. I think that's the essence, that it is the diversity of culture which attracts people that these I have never seen. Wow, what is this? I want to go deep into it. Now, where that deep into it, that means the opportunity for going details must be there rather than just being touristic. So that is why three, four important points is investment on people who practice any art forms. Second important point, allow, have the facility for the audience to go back, go to the village, to interact with the artist directly and to know the plus, minus. There are minuses in the village. There are minuses in the art form. But let that be discussed between the art patron and them and the producer. So I think it is very important that rather not to portray only the glossy part. Let people go to the village, see themselves, because seeing is believing. I know it is a very advertisement-oriented world, but I am also a believer that content matters. And that way, Bengal actually has a tremendous advantage because our writing, our poetry, our art forms, our dances are extremely high quality at any point. And that's why I feel that my take on this art and audience is that they also need contemporary thinking. They also need new thinking, but they also know what is tradition if they know. You know, the city boys of Kolkata, boys and girls of Kolkata, never knew about Chow dance, Patachitra, Rai Beshe dance, or let's say the Kalimpong dance, nothing, because they have never seen it. Me, in my childhood, have never seen any of this. Because these people, these guys were not known. So when our next generation, their next generation, their next generation, when they are coming to know about it, then they are really appreciating. How do I reach out to the urban audience? And urban doesn't mean only Kolkata. Urban also means the district capitals. And how do I reach out to them? We do heritage education program. We reach out to school college students. And we tell them, guys, these are the traditions of your district. These are the traditions. And we show them videos. And we present one or two artists to show. We also make the uh, graphic comics and just to attract the kids. We also make for the music part, we have an uh, app in the Android based. Uh, it's not yet ready for the iPhone. It's called Folks of Bengal. One can download 3,000 songs of different genres. Bawaiya, Baul, Jumur, Bhatiali, all different forms. So the... 
the point is audience needs to be created true but audience must also get to see quality art forms otherwise it's a very very difficult way yes yes i you actually um this brings me to my next question um which is um bangla talk fosters cultural exchange and collaboration based on the belief that meeting of minds and sharing of knowledge stimulates artist creativity and creates new bonds of friendship um and um i'd love to have you talk a little bit about um this this idea of cultural exchange um that bangla talk has fostered and the results it has achieved see i come from bengal which always believes in the universal brotherhood rather than the nationalistic agendas the whether it's a poet rabindranath tagore he has his university was named as bishwabharati bishwa means world so he named it as bishwabharati it's a long time and he went to italy he went to france he went to hungary and everybody thought what he is asking for money no he asked for books and he created the first hungarian center outside hungary in bishwabharati calcutta way back same with italy same with others so getting to know the world is a very important element in the bengal you know mother teresa picked up kolkata and stayed here till her death and that's why mother teresa is named today as saint teresa of kolkata in vatican when she was given the saint to i think this is a culture that we have that we believe that one needs to get to the world understand look at it because traveling other culture gives you the knowledge of the world so celebrating cultural diversity and pluralism is part of our culture and bangladesh absolutely believes practices and preaches that cultural exchange is a very important element not only for the city people or the educated people but also for the village i give an example of patachitra i refer to the patachitra once more 2009 i brought four visual artists from london one of led by a polish artist polish british artist called magda fabiancic and after their workshop and everything 2009 nine years back and that time i have not started the village mela there i have just worked for about 5 years that and after the workshop and everything i went back to the village alone once magda and everybody has gone back and i asked the artist what did you learn and they said the patachitra the rural village artists they told me they have learned installation <laughs> i smiled i thought they maybe hearing they must have heard this coinage this jargon so i asked what what is installation and they said usage of space i said okay and how you will apply they said previously whoever used to take a patachitra now i will ask how much of space do you have what is the measurement and i will tell you how to put it i said wow so rural traditional artists have actually learned the most modern thinking of installation of art through an international collaboration that's very cool and that gave exactly and that gave me power that you know to continue so so far we have brought over 500 artists from different parts of the world 
including two just returned yesterday to New York. And uh, two theater artists came from New York. So each and every our aspect of our work, be it a theater, be it a presentation, be it a music, be it a visual art, be it a handicraft, we always opt and look for cultural exchange because I've seen it really works. It brings pride. It also helps our artists to learn something new and it spreads the word through the mouth, through the hands of the international artist communities. That's fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm inspired to ask, um, you know, what you just said, I don't know if you use this exact term, but it's kind of what I was thinking, is that that cultural exchange um, gave the local artists um, a new type of empowerment. And the term empowerment can mean different things to different people. And I would love to know what empowerment means to you. And if you can share a couple of examples of how participants in either the C4D or Art for Life programs have been empowered? Uh, let's say uh, Kanta. Kanta is the teaching form. Uh, 2013, first, uh, 2012, when I first visited a Kanta village near Shantiniketan, Bilpum, I saw 6,000 women working on Kanta, 3,000 women, I'm sorry, and uh, many of them uh, wearing burkas. Mm, uh, and so it's Muslim women, mostly. And uh, their earning monthly is 300. But their work is fantastic. And 2012, I'm not talking of 2004. And uh, the same sari on which they make the kanta stitch, it's an embroidery. And uh, beautiful work where she gets 300 in a month. And the same sari is sold at 10,000 in Calcutta market. I don't know how much it would have been sold in Delhi or Bombay. Now, we did everything, link them to the market, this, that. At that time, the abuse by their husbands was very high. But with the changed economy, when they were linked directly, even for a comb, she asked for all she asked that time for a hair, oil, and comb, and she was thrown acid in her face. And that was the scenario of that particular community in that area. And now they run their own enterprises, 50 to 60 women together, led by one of the women of them, and not only monthly income, the power game has changed completely. So I think empowerment, I will put it three ways. One is empowerment is enlightenment. Secondly, empowerment is exposure driven and also economic empowerment. And that will also include socioeconomic improvement because that time they didn't have a voice that they want to go for a sanitation. Their husbands, because you know, male in this part of the world, I'm sure worldwide, but rural men, especially even city men, they have a habit of drinking if they get money. And when they have too much of drinks, that time they have no clue what they are doing and the abuse is too high. And that time that has impacted lots of women historically, but thank God that, you know, through different works, through different government policies, government schemes, and also through our small work in a small way, it has contributed tremendously in the empowerment. But I have a small point here. 
Empowerment is a very nice word, but what I have seen most of the time, many of the times, or I'll say few of the times, we need to be careful because we are catalyst only and our empowerment should not be a controlled empowerment because whom you are empowering, they can also go above you. You should be always be flexible towards that. It should not be that we are empowering X, keeping X will be lower than me. That is a very important area. Many of the rural places will go through with various other civil and government initiatives. Because government schemes, many a times, are oriented towards poor this, that. But actually, many of the places, the definition of poverty has changed. The empowerment has happened. But these people will still, one way, like to keep on the definition to get the schemes, to avail the schemes. So that's why handicraft artists, even if their actual income, let's say in tune of $400, they will still say $4 because otherwise they will miss the scheme. Right. Well, this brings me to um, an important um, uh, question for you. Um, you've said in the past that planners and policymakers at international and national levels need to be made aware of culture's potential and mobilized. If you had three specific calls to action of policymakers, what would those be? What would you like to see um, policymakers doing to, you know, support the work that Bangladesh has uh, done? Uh, policymakers of any country need to realize that. Intangible cultural heritage is a skill. It has a skill of the community which practices that heritage. Investment on that particular community is a must. That will bring them through the direct market linkage and building capacity and also doing international exchange collaboration will help this artist community to go up in the ladder and also to represent the country, the people, in a very positive manner and bring pride back to the country and also to the village and also to the artist communities. ICH has the potential of inclusive development. And this is an essential in today's world. Many of the countries have poverty, but many of those countries also have strong culture. Culture is not just an evening thing to see. Culture is something to work upon throughout the day, throughout the year, and with a five, ten years agenda in mind. And one should, must, one must, as policymakers also should see the return on investment. The return investment must come from the government or NGOs or whatever, but return must go to community, and that must be measured. So this is very important for policymakers to. Of three things. One, ICH is a skill. Investment on that will help the community to go up in the ladder and to bring pride to the country, village, villagers, as well as to the artist and art form. Two, I will say that this particular thing has ROI. So please don't make cultural expenses. It is cultural investment. And thirdly, where Bangladesh 
also has established that it is not touristic, but it is responsible tourism. Community is not a bystander in tourism. Community actually is the focus of tourism. So only infrastructure is not important. Including community in developing tourism is the way for future. This is a very timely and important um, theme. And, you know, you touched on this earlier when you referred to, um, you know, the artisans have their, have, they may have a sick daughter or, you know, they have lives and you want tourism, but at the same time, you know, it, it can't be intrusive. And um, Bangladesh is developing cultural tourism that integrates built natural and cultural heritage. Can you talk about your vision and, you know, how you see um, cultural tourism unfolding in a way that that is sustainable and isn't intrusive? We work mostly in the villages. And in the villages, uh, firstly, as I mentioned, 6,200 people live in a village, but all of them work on a particular art form. So if a visitor comes, they can interact with the villagers, see the art form, see a demonstration, have a workshop with them, learn about it, roam around the village, see the nearby places with them. And who is a guide? One of the villagers is a guide. And they take them around. It's a very natural, realistic, uh, I'll say, relationship. Yes, their English may not be as good as expected. Doesn't matter. but at least the communication is real and a true one, and that helps. While working on this, uh, we realized that you know private, public, that part, element, as I said, in tourism in a village, which is very important. Secondly, clean hygiene food stay is extremely important. Thirdly, non-air conditioned is fine, but it should be a decent clean stay again. And all these things were achieved and the villagers were trained how to maintain this. And the artist community themselves have taken, so as if a guest has come to their village, as, it, as to their home. So one of them takes the responsibility of cooking and they provide the hot Indian cooked food. So this is how it has, 2005, there was not a single visitor in any of the village. Rather, these villages used to be termed as beggar's village, dirtiest village. Now. This 15 villages data, 2018, yesterday we actually got the data, is 122,000 visitors have, have come. And 1,800 stayed overnight, out of which 890 are from inter international different countries. Now, this is a very important data capacity because 120,000 can come. That means that includes day visitors. But... 1,500 is only what? The night visitor. That means overnight stay. One did not hurry up to make that 1,500 to 7,000. We don't need that. It has to be slow. It has to be what is absorbable and what is good. I think for sustainable tourism, this is extremely important that what is the capacity? What is the... Because these artist communities are not depending on tourism only. They are also artists, they have their own work, they are developing, and tourism helps, certainly helps 
especially in earning the recognition. And tourists really enjoy being at these places, the visitors, because they get to see a completely new thing which they have never seen. The tangible heritage, we don't much work. But Sundarbans is something new that we are working for the last three years, as well as Darjeeling, Kalimpong, we have started. I think this too, after two, three years, will be very interesting visiting the interiors of this. Mm. I have two final questions for you. Um, and it's, it's more um, to inspire um, others who could um, in some way replicate the success of Bangla Natak. Um, the organization has a team of 82 members who have very diverse backgrounds. And it's very interesting to me that quite a few members of Bangla Natak's team have <laughs> backgrounds in engineering. Um, and, and I say that because I um, previously worked at an investment company where the three senior most people, including the CEO, were all engineers. They all had engineering backgrounds. And so to my way of thinking, you know, engineers um, fix things and they, they build things. And so I find it kind of a fascinating background that you have. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background and the background of your team and, and how it's evolved and how you work together? Uh you have actually asked me two, three questions together, so I, let me answer it this way. Uh, IIT, Indian Institute of Technology, is one of the best institutes in India. Studied there, learned a very important part in my engineering course. If the process is good, product will be good. If the product goes wrong, don't blame the product. Check the process. I think that's a very important learning, that it has to be a process-driven mm. in engineering. But while I was doing my fellowship at London School of Economics, I learned that research is not about what. Research is all about why. I think that's also a very essential element which I adopted at Bangladesh. And number three, Silicon Valley taught me innovation makes business. So I have tried to combine all three and start bangladesh.com and continue exactly the same way. We have 102 full-time people now. And out of this, in these 18 and a half years, I started with 17 people. And then every three, four years, I added, and that's how it went. Now we have office in Calcutta, headquartered in Calcutta. We have a small operating office in Goa, because I'm extremely interested in Goa, where we have been working for the last two and a half years. And we have a small little office, mostly a PR office, in Delhi. So our work is our headquarter, Calcutta, actually caters to almost all places except the West. The Goa office is now slowly starting to tap Telangana. I feel that, you know, because we have it through our work, we have worked in Bengal, Bihar, Chakhand, Orissa, this part, but we have mapped almost 12 states, about 250 districts of the entire cultural mapping. And I think Rajasthan, Telangana, Orissa, Madhya Pradesh, these are major states where art for life can really impact community and save art forms. But one more important thing I must mention, anyone 
who wants to do such type of work must go for people with diverse background, engineering, sociology, but writing is extremely important. And that's why the technical writers make essential. So journalistic background, I think investigative journalism background helps. We have quite a few of them. Then the literature people, that makes it. Out of 102, we have 27 engineers, but we have 28 sociology people. So that's another very important thing. Literacy, literature people also, we have quite a few. Uh, and of course, the art and culture. So the design team has to be very strong. And of course, now for the last five years, now we have two small divisions. One is five years old, one is four years, musical and tourist. Musical promotes the folk music all over the world, gets linked to the worldwide music festivals. And that also reaches out, helps Bangladesh to reach out to the world. And tourist is more towards inwards. So musical is outward and tourist is inward. It promotes the cultural tourism of villages and reaches out to the visitors worldwide and says, come to Bengal, come to Goa and see yourself what is going on. Mm. So diverse background definitely helps in communication. And also, I think I'm a view of, I'm always of the viewpoint that diverse background also helps in debating internally what is right, what is good, what is optional, because different backgrounds give you different thought processes. I would agree. Now, my last question for you, Amitabha, is you clearly have a calling. And um, I would just like to know, was there a pivotal moment that revealed for you where your calling lay? What, you know, did you have an aha moment that this is what you, what you were meant to be doing? Uh, when I was to study in IIT that time, after that software, TCS, then abroad. So after some time working in America, I realized that that's not for me. I was not enjoying finally the software, neither software nor the American state. And I thought, let me go back to Calcutta. When I came back to Calcutta, I realized if I am software, I have to go back to America again. So I just took a break and I started visiting villages. And then I realized here is a beautiful opportunity because innovation is possible in this part. And that's how I opted for it. So I will not say that there is a one moment, but I will say one fine day I realized that software and America, two combinations are not really what I'm enjoying. Let me go back and uh, let me start thinking what can I do. And coming back to Calcutta, I realized that if I have to be in Calcutta or in India, I have to do, do anything other than software because otherwise software again will take me back to America where all my friends live. So um, I decided that let me try something else and it worked. So I'm very happy that it worked. 10 years of software, but 18 and a half years of rural India. So that sustained. I'm so happy that it sustained and makes me happier. If well, I... I share a similar experience and I think sometimes often we need to know what won't work for us in order to know what will work for us and you know I myself come from a background of 25 years in corporate public relations and communications and um, there came a moment when it was no longer working for me and that set me on a path 
um, to do something that I, I enjoy tremendously more and I think presents an opportunity to, to be more of service to, to the world. And uh, so, um, and that has led me to have this conversation with you. So I thank you so much. And um, I look forward to the day when our paths cross in person. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Thank you for uh, letting others know about what we do. These are opportunities. And I must mention that, you know, I must welcome everybody to come to Calcutta, come to India. But India's travels should not be only linked to, limited to the triangle in Delhi. Rather, come to the other parts, look at the people, and I'm sure others will enjoy. I look forward to welcoming you in November 2019. Thank you so much, Amitabha. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye.